0: And I think what's beautiful is that, like, sales as an industry has really, I think, been leveled up over the last couple years of, like, it's not just a wheeling and dealing and, like, oh, sure, you're a hard-nosed negotiator, wolf wolf like, this is a highly skilled role, and it does take a lot of time and energy to manage all of the cats that you're hurting, which are your deals or your prospects.
1: All right, welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad-spectrum sales prescriptions, and all you have to do is fill them. So, Ron, we're in a specialized location today. It's a little bit different than our regular locale. Stoked about it.
2: We are in an office in the circle in Indianapolis, Indiana. You can actually look out. I don't know if you can see the video here out the window. There is a giant war memorial in the middle of this circle, but we have a beautiful view out out of the uh, Conga offices here in Indianapolis. Good place. Beautiful place. In fact, I think Salesforce is right across the way. They are. You can see the Salesforce Tower. They have a big, huge presence here. So
1: kind of cool seeing a bunch of the employees walking around. Okay. So, so last night I'm trying to record some trainings just as a quick starting point i'm trying to record some trainings and i'm sitting here right here well in the middle of the night on what 9 30 10 o'clock at night all of a sudden this whole memorial event starts all these lights go everywhere
2: they have a light noise every night i think here and they project like the pictures of all the fallen soldiers from indiana in the last i don't know how long but It's a pretty neat thing. If you haven't been to Indianapolis, it's kind of a cool thing to experience. We're going to go to the Pacers Nuggets game later tonight, too. So it should be be very good. good. But it's not going to be
1: as exciting as meeting with Brooke. No, no. That's the most exciting thing of our evening. So we have Brooke Bacesta with us. Brooke, can you say hello to everyone?
0: Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I am unfortunately not in Indy with y'all. I'm dialing in from Seattle.
1: See, and that's a good place to be. There's nothing wrong in Seattle, yep. right? Um, but we're just happy you're with us at all. So that's great. And then, and Brooke, is just as, a, as an introduction. So Brooke has started her career, like many of us have as a sales developer, doing prospecting, kind of do that groundwork on the ground. And it's amazing what kind of skills you develop when you do that. So Brooke worked her way up to become an account executive, later became a manager of the sales development organization and was running a team and has both that closing and sales development experience but now is also a sales enablement leader at outreach which if you look out in the market some of the top performing companies that understand outbound prospecting account-based marketing outreach is one of them and it's awesome to have you with us brooke to talk about things and from a personal perspective when brooke is not out there helping to you know retain and promote and develop the xdr team at outreach Brooke is an executive sponsor for WINS, which is the Women in Sales Execution. And it's a women's sales organization that mentors the next generation of go-to-market employees for women. And you also enjoy mentoring some early-stage career folks, like at the university programs and kind of going to campuses and doing lecturing and things like that as well, right, Brooke?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've uh, been fortunate to have gotten in touch with some folks in the community here, specifically at like the UW sales certificate they have their undergrad program, and I love chatting with folks who are brand new to sales about, like, it's just, like the world's best kept secret. You earn a fantastic living, you get a nice career, you don't need any experience, you get trained on the job, and it just opens up a bunch of doors.
1: It's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome, and it's fun. It's like... It is fun. Yeah. F- <laughs> We've fallen
2: in love with it, which is why we're, here. we're yeah, is why, we here. We like it so much that what do we do on our nights and weekends? We talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly... Uh, clearly is
0: dedication.
2: Like Right. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today, Brooke, for a few reasons. And one is your experience. And I can tell that you're a fantastic person. I also really love talking to people from companies like Outreach, where they are making billions off of sales developments being successful at organizations. Right. So excited to hear your perspective on various things. And I'm sure that perspective will come with a lot of knowledge gained from a company like Outreach. To start us off, you've managed sales development teams and prospecting teams for five-ish years. How do you go about training sales developers and helping them to become successful? And how has that progressed for you over time?
0: Yeah, I think early days, like and even like in the before times, before COVID hit and we all went to work from home, onboarding SDRs was like a, a speed game. Like they would come in and I'm guilty of this too. Like you can build this program and be like, all right, three days, you're going to get everything you would possibly need to know. Hope you don't right. forget it. Take a notes. Now get on the floor and make some calls. And like, it was very much trial by fire.
1: That is very true.
0: Yeah. Right. And like, we all got away with it because if you had an SDR team a couple of years ago, you're probably at a high growth company. Like it was all about, like, we just got to get people on the phones, but as sales development has grown, which is wonderful, like it just doesn't fly anymore. And like, if you're taking that to scale, it provides a lot of opportunities and points of failure of like, well, you're going to forget everything. People are going to be overwhelmed. They're going to feel like they don't know what they're doing. They're going to get stressed out and go talk to their manager about that. And worst case scenarios, they say sales isn't for me. And it's because they just didn't feel like they had success early on. So I think now how we're thinking about it and at Outreach, like in enablement, onboarding is a huge part of my life. So I've gotten to dissect it quite a bit is extending that process and saying, like, okay, boot camp can still be a boot camp that's intensive and like you got to get on the phones early and like get out there and, and give it a shot. But like, what's the minimum possible amount of information that I can give you? Because I already know if I give you too much, you're going to forget it all. And what are like the brass tacks things that like you need to leave having known at least these? And then I only give you those. And then there's like more of a phased approach of like, all right, they come out of boot camp, they'll have a, a small awareness of the things like, I know what my job is, I know how I get paid, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and where to go find all the information and directions. And then it's like we call it like an awareness competency mastery approach of like they become aware, then they go to their frontline managers to become competent in the job. And then as they're later in their career graduating out, they should have mastered the role and are looking for job expansion. But I think that's different than what I used to do, which is like figure it out now and become a master of your craft in 30 days, which is just not reasonable, especially when you're at home alone and may not have the team around you.
1: I completely agree. And it's interesting because a lot of times you would rely on, on cultural knowledge. So you dump information right. and you put them in a team and they're all working together on the team in the office and you almost rely on your employees to teach them. Everything that they're supposed to do could kind of make up for the gap. And I think it's an impressive observation where you're like, no, this has to change, it has to be modified. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. We've had a, a tremendous amount of success also teaching people in the flow. So when, when you get them on the phones, You teach them how to do and how to use tools specifically related to exactly how they do the motions of the job versus training them on an entire tech stack of tools and all the depth. You can train them. This is how you use this tool in the motion of the job, which can get them up and going much faster and use it that way. Things like that 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 have worked well for us as well. So that's that's cool.
0: Totally. Yeah. You you lose the benefit of osmosis of like, oh, I just I sat next to Rusty, so I get to repeat everything he says. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. in my own bubble. So you're right. You, you have to be more conscious of like what is documented and the directions you give and totally agree that people learn by doing. So we're giving you a manual or saying like, hey, here's the thing we're going to like test drive it around. You're just going to pick things up a lot faster the other way.
1: Interesting. Love it. So in some previous conversations, Brooke, that we've had, you mentioned to me the concept that I found to be very interesting and very impactful, which is this idea of leaders finding opportunities to help their reps win. So tell us a little bit about that concept, that methodology, and how it's applied.
0: Yeah, I think we all know that positive reinforcement is crucial to your success and that you need more of those than like negative instances to learn something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes back to the previous thing we are talking about. Like you have to have incremental learning so that, hey, like you're not going to be able to just, I mean, maybe you can and you're, you're like a gift to salespeople, just take up a script and like figure it out. But most people, they stumble a couple times, they're fumbling with the value props. So you got to give them some easy wins. And maybe that's in the form of like, hey, you're going to call inbound leads that are like kind of expecting you to call. Or you're going to call small accounts where like, even if you totally botch it, the risk is low enough to the business that no one's going to roast you. It's okay. We'll give it another shot. We'll try them again later. So making sure that there's a path like that in your learning and development so that if I'm a sales rep and I make a great call, like I can attach to that feeling of success and say, hey, like I won something today, even though I didn't book the meeting, I I got a new piece of information. So not only is it incrementally stepping out what you're training people on. And what you're asking them to do but making sure that they know what are the individual points of like hey this is a good thing so that it's not all riding on did i hit my quota which of course is important or did i book a meeting today because there's lots of other wins that can come out of that but if they don't know to look for it they're going to feel like a failure is my opinion so making sure it's like hey here's your rubric. Well, like called like a great call, like has an awesome upfront contract. It tells people like what you're hoping to learn. You're using a nugget of information to get their attention. You're making an ask, you're overcoming objections. Like there's all these things. There's a whole laundry list. If you didn't get them all, but you got three out of the 10 on your first try. Hey, that's pretty good. You got those down pat. Let's keep on keeping on and focus on that.
2: Yeah, it's pretty challenging. because I think especially as a new rep, and you mentioned this in the start of this, like the great thing about software sales and sales development in general is not a lot of people are coming with a ton of sales experience. They're not coming, you know, and starting this job, having 10 years of selling software or whatever, right? That just wouldn't be the case. And so without that experience, it can be, it can beat you down pretty quickly. The frequent rejection that you get from just cold calling in general, and and then adding to that fact of, I can't hit my number for the first couple months, you know, if if you're only measuring quotas, looking for other successes is, I love that idea.
0: Yeah, totally. And like, you know, sales is, it's a majority mental game. I think like you can teach people how to make cold calls or how to close a deal or how to negotiate, but if they don't know what they're like, the long game that they're playing, it can get really exhausting. And I think that's where we see a lot of burnout is the folks are like, Hey, I had two bad months in a row and it feels like an eternity. Sales just isn't for me. When in reality, it was like, Oh, maybe like, you had a lot of potential and you, You just needed some additional encouragement to get past the first hump.
1: I think it's such an insightful approach. One of the things I can definitely say is if you don't do it, you're really setting your sales developers and your sales people up for failure. They need to know as they go through their development cycle that the things that they're doing are leading to success. They need to know that they're on the right track. They need to know that today was a successful day. You won today because you did these things well. You're winning this week because you're developing these skills. You're progressing to a point of success. And if they know that and they see that and they're encouraged by that, they'll continue to emulate it and do it more. It's yep. so difficult to do when you just send a sales rep off and say, okay, here's a phone book. Go ahead and go figure it out. Just keep going.
0: Yeah. Cause the inverse of that is right, like I give you the phone book. And you make a call and you're like, hey, I was pretty good. I got somebody to pick up. And you're all jazzed on the adrenaline rush of like, oh, God, somebody picked up the phone. And if I come in and be like, yeah, nice try. But like you screwed up your pitch. You should have worked on that. They're going to learn from that, that, oh, God, this is a high risk environment. If it's not perfect, I get yelled at for it. This is not fun. I don't want to make any more calls, even if they don't verbalize that. I feel like that's what they're gaining from that experience.
1: So for this idea of like a leader finding ways for people to win and identifying best practices and things that are working really well and then helping to deliver that message to them. And, you know, how much more important is it in a COVID environment? How much more important is it when people are working from home versus, you know, when you're in the office? Because it seems like in your office, you're sitting in the office, you can pick up those things from other people yourself right. through that osmosis. How much more important is, is a leader finding those and identifying and spreading them around to the reps in a remote environment?
0: it's super important and you have to be uber intentional about like engineering it into existence because it's not going to happen organically like it might in the office so i'm like oh yeah rest that it. it was a great call i just was walking by on my way to that other meeting and he rocked it i can't high five people because they're in you know their own home office so we use that like tactically we use a thing called ambition it's like an automated gamification trigger that just like anytime somebody gets something that is deemed important which is like i booked three meetings in a day i got a sales accepted lead i Uh, Five day streak of something that's important, it automatically triggers a thing into a channel. So it's like, hey, Brooke did this thing that's awesome. So that I don't feel like I have to showboat to say, like, hey, like I did something cool and everybody should come look. Also, like if we're running a call blitz, normalizing, like, hey, live Slack, what's going on? Like, hey, you got somebody, didn't book a meeting, but I got really good information. Or like, I finally got the CRO on the phone. She's been ghosting me forever. It's not a meeting yet, but like, here's what I learned. Or I booked a meeting and then everybody can add into that success. And it is awkward, right? Cause I'm forcing myself to put it into a Slack channel, but it encourages an environment of like, yeah, you should celebrate your wins and other folks. And on the other side of that, it's like, you know, managers making an effort. And I love that our management team does this. It's just, it's part of their operating rhythm of anytime somebody hits their quota the manager writes up a nice blurb from the heart in the Slack channel, tags the rep and says, Ron just hit their quota today. Super excited. They've been working so hard. They battle past blah, blah, blah. And then everybody gets to pile onto that, including our VP of sales, including myself. It's like a nice public pat on the back.
1: I love that.
2: Got to do that when you're working from home. I mean, you used to get that in the office just in the form of high fives. Right. Like, hey. Right. You know, and, and like back when I was leading teams in office, which we're kind of in the middle of like, sometimes in the office sometimes not currently where i'm at but wasn't that like 30 years ago <laughs> yeah it was like a long time ago that it was five days a week in the office but but i mean that's what you would do right is you would stand up and, and shout out like hey someone so just got their first opportunity or just take quarter for the month and you'd get a, an applause throughout the group but now you have to kind of do that through slack yeah. another thing that i've really discovered helps new reps to feel like It was a successful day before they're really getting opportunities and hitting quota and things like that. Is I try to use KPIs to do it. And I want to talk a little bit about KPIs and get your opinion on this, Brooke. So, over the years, it's pretty obvious. I've noticed, I'm sure other people have noticed that people don't always love metrics and KPIs. I've seen this in reps, I've seen this in leadership. Sometimes people feel like measuring KPIs is micromanagement, Mm -hmm. as you've seen. People want to be trusted to do their job. So in your view, why are KPIs and metrics so important? Like, why is it something that because obviously outreach feeds us a lot of our KPIs (laughs) here at Conga, but as far as like the results and the metrics. So walk me through some of that.
0: Yeah, I think we're in this like transition point where you know, for years, all these products and platforms were coming up to surface you up data. And now we're in an age of like, you can be held more accountable than you ever thought wildly possible. And your manager knows more about what you're doing on a day to like is the green light on on Slack? Are they online? Did they make any dials today? I can see if they sent an email. How long was the dial tone? Like, it's like a lot. And it can't be overwhelming. And it can't feel like micromanagement, I think, relative to what we had before, which is, Bro, how many dollars you make today? Fifty? Cool. All right, sick. I'll see you tomorrow. Like that was all that we had. So it can feel overwhelming. I think it is important to explain the why to your reps because if I just say make sixty dollars and put fifteen people in sequence because I said so, for sure people are going to say this is lame. Like I'm just doing this because she told me to. Like why am I? This seems like a lot of extra effort for nothing. But if we work back the like hey, statistically, if you do this, you're going to, this is your conversion rate. We think that you're going to be here. You're going to talk to this many people. You should book at least one of them on the phone, which nets out to this, like you hitting your quota. And that's why this thing exists. Like trust the process. I think it can be an easier conversation. But the other reason I think KPIs are important in general is because the scale at which people manage their pipelines now, again, as a result of all these products, including outreach on the market, is much better than it was before. Like when I was an SCR, we didn't, outreach didn't exist. I I just had Salesforce in a spreadsheet and I could reasonably manage maybe 20 people that I was actively prospecting every month, like writing a nice email. And I'm so sorry. Thank you, Sally, my previous manager for trying to coach me, but I would constantly just do the, like, Oh, I'll send 3000 emails at the end of the day because she told me to, and like, I'm hitting my KPI, but they did nothing. So I was really prospecting 20 people. Today, if you're using any kind of engagement intelligence or sales engagement platform or anything like that, number is probably more like 100 to 200 people, which is a lot. And the KPIs Mm -hmm. be there so that you as the human can continue to drive the machine. Because if you just let the robot do its thing, like it's going to get out of control really quickly. And the KPIs are there. They're like levers. Like you're sitting in the cockpit of like, okay, I'm driving this. I put these people into sequence. I'm putting the sale, like the human aspect into this. But I have to make sure that everything is in line. And that's why, like, I have to make a certain amount of dials. I have to put a certain amount of people in sequence every day. I have to send, like, a certain amount of emails so that it can keep running. It's basically just amplifying what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So imagine this is just a thought. It's funny because you talk about, like, you mentioned, like, being in a cockpit, right? Brooke? So imagine this. Sometimes when I get on a commercial plane, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way, but sometimes I'm thinking, like, if this, I think probably every time I'm like, if this thing goes down, I'm toast. Like, at least okay. once on the flight, I think, oh, yeah, if this flight goes down, I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. So imagine, like, you're getting settled in the plane, a little bit of anxiety, and somebody gets up on the intercom and says, I'm going to interview the pilot. We're going to have a conversation with the pilot. And I ask a few questions to the pilot. And one of the questions you ask is you say, do you ever look at your instrument panels? Do you ever look at your guidance things? And you hear this, no course not I know what I'm doing I don't use instruments I just fly it I just use I can just fly whenever I want to fly I know what I'm doing I know where I'm going would you feel comfortable with this
0: approach probably not and I already like I'm in the same boat of like thinking about me being in a metal tube hurtling through space at 500 miles an hour it just seems wrong and then if the person driving is like yeah I got it don't worry about it I'm very much not at ease
1: <laughs> yeah right it's, of course not <laughs> and as a salesperson, I mean, there's enough complexity in sales and KPIs and, and running a business. You can't do it without your gauges and your measures to know where you are and what's going on. You don't know the subtle changes, you're gonna crash that plane. It's gonna happen.
0: And I think what's beautiful is that, like, sales as an industry has really, I think, been leveled up over the last couple of years. Of like, it's not just a wheeling and dealing, and like, oh, sure, you're a hard nosed negotiator, wolf of wolf. like, this is a highly skilled role. And it does take a lot of time and energy to manage all of the cats that you're herding, which are your deals or your prospects. Yeah, so you theoretically could just do it like just based on the art, but there's a ceiling to your success, I think, if you're not using tools to help amplify what you're doing, to work smart. span of control. So this
1: will make you laugh a little
2: bit, Brooke. So when we first went home with the whole COVID thing that happened and when we went from five days a week in an office for my sales development organization at the time, I think I had maybe... 65-ish SDRs in one building and overnight it was like everybody go home working from home right and in that first period of time we were still hiring we hired a couple people remote i had one person that we hired that i'm not even exaggerating he had four sales development jobs at the same time and or in the past at the same time time, he wasn't doing well with any of them but At that time, a lot of these metrics, like we were looking at like number of calls as like a key metric, right? Like how many calls do you make in a day? But we weren't really as focused of like when they were making those calls. Like we tried to look for golden hours and call when people would pick up or whatever. But I wasn't really looking at like in Salesforce to see what time people were calling throughout the day. So what he was doing is he was making 60 like, I'll call him ghost Isles probably, for two hours for each of his companies each day. And this was like, Teams wasn't even really fully released yet. We, we had Teams at that company when once it once it was released. And we had like the red, green, like whatever, yellow, away on your Teams. And it, we started to notice he was away a lot. And so we're like, hey, you're, you know, we started trying to manage to you being online. And he told me this after we turned him, but he found this device that, no joke, shook his mouse. So he yes. shook his mouse, so it looked like he was green all the time, like he that was acting like, on his computer.
0: With that level of ingenuity, if he just applied it, he would have made so much money.
2: <laughs> right? I know, right? But I mean, he's getting—you know—he has four different. SDR rolls, sixty-ish grand a piece, that's right? That's like, true. like you know, I mean, that's a that's a decent amount of money. making two hundred forty grand a year,
1: just not even working. Okay, and okay. just pretending to work in all four. Can I say that is not a sales prescription or a recommendation?
0: No, that is a definitely do not view. No. <laughs> that is theft.
2: It's it's definitely terrible, right? But but I will say that like what I love about tools these days is they're designed to make you successful. Right. And so now, you know, we know, like from a leadership perspective, hey, let's pay attention to when people are making calls and not just to look for the guy that's doing that, because that's a special case. And I don't think there's a lot of people that are that unethical that they'd be willing to do that. But it's also like, what time should I be calling? What, you know, what's what's effective for those calls? What is my talk time? It's measuring more than just the number of dials that we used to when sales engagement first came out as a platform.
1: So, Brooke, from what you're seeing in the market, you know, it seems that and then from what I'm seeing as well, it seems like this work from home or hybrid models is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're kind of at the cutting edge, particularly sales organizations at Outreach. I mean, you're interacting with you've got thousands of customers that are sales organizations, sales development groups, and they're all around the world. And as you've engaged and worked with some of these sales organizations, I'm sure you've seen this is how they're doing business, how they're training people, how they're how they're adapting to these work from home environments. And what are some of the things that that you've been able to learn from these work from home situations or what you call these home alone situations? (laughs) I thought that was brilliant, by the way. It's home alone environment. What would be helpful for some salespeople and sales leaders to hear that you guys have learned at Outreach?
0: I think like one is the importance of over communicating and that's not just having like hey, a daily huddle where everybody shows their face and like you shoot the breeze for a second. But like there's so much opportunity for things to get lost in translation, whether that's on Slack or like I misheard directions and now I'm like chasing this thing that's not that relevant anymore, like just continuing to check in with people. If we do a training now, and this is different, and maybe it's just because we've grown as a company too, but like in the before times, if I did a training, I'd run it live and be like, all right, everybody's got it. There was no checking after this. Like, you're good. I said it. you heard me. We are good to go. Now it's like, you got to do the training. There's got to be documentation in your seismic or whatever you're using to manage that content. There's got to be an email or a Slack message that goes out. And the managers need some talking points to say, hey, we're in our one-on-one. We talked about this thing. How do you see yourself implementing that in your role now? And that's not because we want to micromanage. It's just like, if you're just staring at a screen, 100% it's less engaging than human to human. So like you have to force the interaction. So that's one. And the other one is like, you, you kind of have to force fun too. Like one of the things that I love that our leadership team has started doing is like every week there is at least one huddle that's just to shoot the breeze thing. Like there's no agenda other than it's like a show and tell. What do they call it? Oh, I forget it, but it's like spotlights or something where I would get five minutes, I think. And like, I can make a slide of like, here's what I like to do when I'm not at work. Like, here's all my hobbies. Here's like my dogs, my husband. Here's what I did last weekend. I'm really cooking. Here's what I made. And people just ask you questions about it because you don't get the opportunity to do that when you're like, okay, we have 30 minutes of a one-on-one let's get into your personal life. Go like, you don't have natural cushion time.
1: Right. Good
0: point. So it is, I think, just being really intentional about the culture you want to build and building that stuff into an operating rhythm of like it happens all the time and it's not one-off.
2: I mean, if you think about it, like in an office situation, there's time for that every day.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know what I mean? Like you're you're doing water cooler talks on a daily basis with people where you're, you know, having a quick chat or finding out what people did for the weekend or whatever else. And I've even heard some sales reps and just people in general like say, hey, this is a reason why we should be hybrid or at home forever, is because I can be more effective from home. I don't know that a lot of the data I've seen, you know, as far as the research that I've done with some other companies, I don't know that it shows that it's that much more effective to be home. but. That is definitely an argument that I've heard people make is, is I'm not bothered as much or whatever, but mm-hmm. is that a good thing, right? Like, it seems to me that you would want cultural engagement. You would want to have some water cooler talk, even if it seems like it's a presentation about who you are and what you cooked for breakfast this weekend or whatever.
0: Yeah. And I think like, if you look at productivity, I think most businesses did see an increase to like revenue when people were at home, because you're right, like they were just working all the time, which may not be very sustainable. What we lost right. though was that human interaction. And I think we're seeing that now with all the churn and the great resignation where everybody's quitting because they're like, okay, I just came in and I make the dials. I'm like, I don't have a best friend to work anymore. I don't like had talk to people in the kitchen anymore. So, like, uh, this is just a job now. So, I think, yeah, even if you are remote, making sure that there's some fun stuff in there.
2: Yeah, definitely yeah. software companies saw a revenue increase. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you didn't have outreach before and, yeah, or exactly. a product like that, they're definitely gonna the see yours. I would not have wanted to work like in a office supply company. You're right.
0: I couldn't after that. I'm sure there was uh, there's lots of, a of yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Definitely SaaS companies, uh with the at-home stuff, definitely revenue. So to finish off, I, I really wanna dive into some overall career advice from you, Brooke. You've been there, done that, I guess this is how some people say, been a sales developer more than once. Uh, you've been in direct leadership and now you train enablement and enable salespeople. So walk me through like these new people, especially when you're working with the organization that you work with to, I guess, train and develop like brand new people in their careers. What type of advice are you giving them from a career perspective?
0: Yeah, I think for starters, it's that we all bring our whole self to work. So like you you do have to prioritize SaaS sales. It can be all consuming. So that's when I say prioritize. I mean, like I'm not obsessed to a negative point with this job. Like, you know, I go to bed early so I can get up and perform well. I eat healthy and I try and exercise. I'm in a good mood to talk to my teammates the next day. I'm not going out to a show and staying out to three in the morning and then like coming to make dials. Like I've focused on that. The other part is, like, play the long game. STR so is really, really hard. But think, like, what is this going to do for your whole career? Of Again, it's not just a gig. It, it can be if you want it to be, but, like, it really opens up a lot of doors. So think about, like, what kind of transferable skills are you getting from this opportunity? And, like, how is this going to move you into a closing role, manager role, pro-serve, enablement, like, Everybody loves to hire SDRs because you know how to hit a number, you work well with the team, you understand the value of your product. So you're in a highly marketable spot. And I think the other part of that is just like having a good perspective of like, it is. I have been caught many times as an SDR or manager in this role now, like this job is hard and I'm exhausted. So moves really quickly. Maybe I'll just quit and move back into my van and drive around the country. <laughs> like it's easy to get caught in that mindset. But the perspective of like, what I said at the beginning What an incredible opportunity. Like you're getting trained on the job with the best of the best. You're surrounded by nice people, hopefully, who you like to work with, who are teaching you new things. And like, you're getting to use your brain. Like there's a lot of positive things. And I guess it's just an exercise in gratitude every day because it can be very easy to get stuck in like the negative Nancy
2: mindset. Honestly, we're not like, I've mentioned this before on the podcast as well, I think, but I don't really feel like I live life looking for ease. I look for fulfillment, right? And there's yeah. so much fulfillment in in finding success at whatever you choose to do. And and I tell people all the time, including my own team, I'm like, if you're waking up with that sense of dread, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel exhausted, and you can feel worn out, and you can feel like, man, I'm putting my whole and you can feel really frustrated at times, but. That's what brings the fulfillment is the accomplishment of doing something hard and mm-hmm. finding success, doing something hard. It's not in looking for ease in life. And that's really where people I think get confused. And if you're looking for ease, software sales really is not the, it's not a place you want to show up and, uh, and look for ease. But if you're looking for something that is hard that you can find a ton of fulfillment, you can get trained on the job, you can be you can really develop yourself and become something great and make a great living. This is where you want to be.
1: Show up and hang out and yeah. yeah and learn. Well, if you want something easy, you can just be a midnight security guard in Idaho. Right. You know, fight off some raccoons every once in a while. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, or you can do something fun with cool people. Right, yeah, and I mean, build some skills
2: that'll help you. Every difficulty in every job that you can do, but I, but I really feel like this can push you to new levels of accomplishment. I've seen it in my in my life and in, in hundreds and hundreds of reps that I've had in my organizations. Like it's super fun. But I'm telling you, you're you're a fantastic person. We're we're just oh, blessed and lucky to have you to join the, <laughs> the podcast today i excited to continue to get to know you over time. If you guys, listeners, are interested, we'd love for you to connect with Brooke, follow her on social media. Most of our guests are, are open and welcome to you reaching out and asking questions and advice. And that goes the same for Rusty and myself. Yeah and Brooke, where can people find you? How do they get a hold of you?
0: Yes, unfortunately, the only social media I have these days is LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Brooke Pachesta out there or Brooke at Outreach if you search the company. And if you want to shoot me an email, I have a very secret email alias format, which is my first name dot my last name at outreach.io. Oh, I
1: don't know how you can figure that one out.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's real hard for SDRs to Frankenstein. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Very cool. Well, we appreciate everybody's listening to the sales prescription, and we are happy to help you in any way that we can. Contact us at The Sales Prescription. Ron and Rusty, you can see us on LinkedIn. You can see us on any podcast platform you want to engage in. You can also send emails to us, but we'll let you figure that out. The secret code <laughs> of what our emails are. <laughs> <laughs> and if good sales developer, you should be able to, but we'll appreciate everybody's time and keep listening to The Sales Prescription and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks.